going to continue to study our way through. You, can, you, you probably have the clue what our verse is for the day, right? Isaiah 53. I am going to add some context to it, though, because I think it's important to, the, to what it has to say. Isaiah 53 is called the suffering servant. You may even see that as a title in your Bible, the suffering servant. And, and it's written by Isaiah, and I want you to just understand, Isaiah wrote about 700 B.C. is about the time frame that Isaiah was writing. And in seven, so he's 700 years, roughly, before the birth of Christ. And yet, in this chapter, we see some incredible detail on why Jesus came and what happened to Jesus. In fact, if you were to take Isaiah 53 and then compare it to the Gospels, you will see the, the crucifixion story just line up. You see how, how easily this, this comes together, Isaiah 53 and the Gospels and the story of the crucifixion of Jesus. And so we're going to study Isaiah 53. Now, we, when we studied Psalm 23, we saw... The, the metaphor of God as a shepherd and us as sheep. And we saw then that the metaphor actually fits us fairly well. We may not like it. <laughs> it may not be necessarily flattering, but we are like sheep. And, and so we see that metaphor again today, so we'll explore it a bit again today as we look at, these, at this verse. Um, now, we're going to do this as we have been doing since the first of the year with study tips. I'm trying to show you uh, a way to study your Bible and get a little more out of it as you read. And so we're going to ask ourselves, we're going to read the verses and then ask ourselves the so what's. So what does this say about God? So what does this say about me? And so what do I need to do now that I know this about God and about myself? And then we're also going to look at it as kind of phrase by phrase as well. So let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 53. Now I am going to start in verse 4. So if you want to read along with me, it won't be behind me because verse 6 is the only one that's, that, uh, that's behind me. But I'm going to start in verse 4. Yet he himself bore our sickness and he carried our pains and we in turn regarded him as stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. So, what does this say about God? And, and really kind of focusing in on verse 6, what does this say about God? First thing it says is, is again, we have the image of God as our shepherd. We have, and, and, and we kind of, again, look, explored the metaphor before, but, but God as a shepherd means care and protection and provision. It means guidance. It, it, and, and sheep are always led from the front. And so it means that God is going before us. It is the idea of the shepherd. And it's a great metaphor for who God is for us. And we, got, we also have to remember, and I mentioned this last time as well, the shepherd will take the sheep where they, don't, where they need to be, not necessarily where they want to be. 
Because we tend to get complacent. We tend to get comfortable and complacent. We just want to stay right here. And sheep do that. They'll stay right in one pasture until they eat it to nothing. And then they have nothing for tomorrow. They don't think that way. They don't think ahead. And that's one of the ways we're like sheep, I guess. <laughs> because we don't think ahead either. We get complacent and comfortable and we stay. And we should be following the shepherd. Because the shepherd will take us where we need to be. Where we need where we have what we need for tomorrow. But I think what stands out for me most in these verses, or this verse, is that God understands we have a problem. Now, this is countercultural. I'll, I'll tell you this right up front. I'll, I'll tell you right up front, our culture, our society, does not want to talk about sin. It doesn't want to talk about sin because sin, uh, uh, talking about sin leads us to talking about repentance and our, and our society doesn't repent for anything. So this is countercultural. But I'm telling you, we have a problem. Verse 4 in Isaiah 53 said we're, we have a sickness. I think we have an illness. We have an infection. And that infection drives us to sin. It, we have a, a nature so bent towards sin that sin is inevitable. And it's been that way since Adam and Eve. So we, we have this problem, and, it, and God knows that we have a problem, and he has a solution for it. God gets to the heart of the problem and gets a solution to your heart. It's a matter of the heart. That's where the problem is. That's where the solution has to go. You know, if you have an infection, that you, you, get, you take internal medicine, you take medicine internally in order to kill an infection. Our infection is internal. There are a lot of really well-meaning people trying to legislate away behavior problems. It will never work. Because our problem is internal. And external pressure will never fix an internal problem. So God understands that we have this problem. He, we have this sickness. And he has a solution for us. And, I, and as I said, I mentioned earlier, if you compare... Isaiah 53 to the gospel stories of the crucifixion, you will come away with the absolute certainty that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. The promised Messiah. Because the, the, the details that are in Isaiah 53 that we see 730 some years later happening to Jesus, it, it's incredible. Only God does this kind of thing. And so we see Jesus is the promised Messiah. So what does this say about us? It says we're sheep. <laughs> it says we're sheep. Now, we may not like the comparison, but we are, we are like sheep. Hawkins, in his book, and, and uh, the uh, 52 verses every believer should know, in his book he calls sheep dumb. Now, I don't want you to think that God looks, looks down at us and sees a bunch of dumb animals. I don't think that's true. I don't think that God looks at us as dumb uh, beasts of the field. But the, the metaphor works because, because we, like sheep, wander away. You know, sheep don't run from their shepherd. They wander away. They just they put their head down and follow their appetite until they're outside the voice of the shepherd. We do that. 
We also run away from God, though, too, don't we? If we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we run away from God. There's a, there'll be a time in our life where we just really don't want to hear from God or, or an area of our life. Maybe we're listening to God in some areas, but in this area, well, this one's mine. So we run away from God sometimes, but we definitely walk away from God, wander away from God. We just wander, we follow an appetite until we're outside the voice of the shepherd. The, an appetite, when I say follow an appetite, we have a, a true love for pleasure and leisure. Think about, think about what we pay for. Think about what sports stars and entertainment stars make in salaries in comparison to people that our, our society actually needs. <laughs> yes, I just said that. <laughs> We will pay for leisure and for, for pleasure. And so we spend our time on that. We have an appetite for that, and we will follow that until we are outside the voice of the shepherd. We're like sheep. We're like sheep. Sheep also have no sense of direction. No sense of direction whatsoever. There is no way they will find their way back to the flock without the guidance of the shepherd. When we wander away, we have no idea how to get back. In fact, we listen to the voice in our head that says, don't go back because you're not worthy of it. Or don't go back because they might, they're going to find out something. We need the shepherd to lead us back to the flock. We are like sheep. We need the guidance of the shepherd to manage our life because otherwise we will stay where we are comfortable and complacent until we have nothing left for tomorrow. We need the shepherd to guide us through our life, to the place we need to be so that we continue to grow, so that we continue to mature. We are like, we are like sheep because we are completely unable to fight the enemy that we have. On our own, we are no match for, for our enemy and his demons. No match at all. We need the protection of the shepherd. We need the shepherd in us, guiding us, protecting us like a shepherd does because we're like sheep. And, and as I said before, what this says about us is we have a problem. Our society doesn't want to say so. Our culture doesn't want us to think this way. But we have a problem. And it's an internal problem. And only an internal solution will fix it. We need Jesus. So what do we need to do? We need to recognize that we have this problem. Again, this, the voices of our society are telling us we don't have a problem, we just have choices. We have a problem. We have a sin problem. And we need Jesus to fix it. We need to recognize our need for the, for the cure, and we need to recognize the cure. And we need to accept the cure in order for it to work. You know, if the doctor gives you medicine and you put it in the medicine cabinet and never open the bottle, it does you no good. None whatsoever. You can sit in here and, and hear about Jesus, but you have to accept the cure. Accept Jesus in order to be cured. And we need to follow the shepherd, guiding us where we need to be. We... Uh, Verse 6 tells us that we have turned 
to our own way. And every one of us have. Every one of us have. And we'll see that more as we look at this phrase by phrase. So we need to recognize our need for the shepherd. We need to accept the cure the shepherd gives. And we need to follow the shepherd. We need to follow the guidance of God. So let's kind of look at this phrase by phrase. Just verse 6. Starts out with, we all went astray like sheep. Now, there's, a, there's something at work here in the original Hebrew. Hebrew does this. Uh, they, they do these little tricks. English has some too, but it, the first word of this phrase, of, of verse 6, and the last word of verse 6 are exactly the same word. Now, in English, it comes across as we all and us all. But in Hebrew, it's the same word. Now, Hebrew does that to show you an all-encompassing thing. Everything between this word and this word is handled, completed within that. So it starts out with we all, showing us that everything in this verse, the punishment for sin, the, the, the waywardness that it talks about us wandering away, all of this is every one of us, every single one of us, and all of it is handled by the punishment put on him, the punishment put on Christ. So you have that kind of, uh, that, that literary device uh, that, that tells us, us all, or we all and us all, encompasses this. And we, we, we dare not jump over us all or we all, because that means all of us, each and every one of us. If you, it doesn't say those, uh, we all except those who grew up in church. It doesn't say we all except those who sang in the choir and taught Sunday school. It says we all, every single one of us, have this sickness. Every single one of us have this illness that we need the cure for. And we all, every single one of us, are indeed like sheep. We wander away. We need the protection and the provision and the guidance of the shepherd. Every single one of us. None of us is above it. None of us is below it. We all need the cure God has for us. And then it says, we have all turned to our own way. Now, this may be a little bit harder to recognize in your own life. It's pretty easy to recognize in our culture, though, isn't it? We are more divided now in our, in our nation than I ever remember. We have all turned to our own way. And it, and it really started in Genesis 3. You know, Genesis 3, we have Adam and Eve eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, we normally think of good and evil but when we see those words, especially in the Old Testament, we see them as moral words. Good in a moral sense and evil in a moral sense. But if you think about that, that doesn't make sense that God wouldn't want us to know that. In fact, a whole lot of Scripture tells us what is good and evil morally. So what if we were to understand this tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil, not in a moral sense, but in, in the sense of I know what's good for me, and I know what's evil for me, profitable for me, or, or pleasurable for me, and evil because I don't like doing it. <laughs> I don't like that. Then we can understand that from Adam and Eve to this verse to today, 
all of us have wanted to decide what's good and evil for, our, for us. We've wanted to decide what, what way we go, what things we do on our own. We don't want God to decide that. We want to. And we want, we want to tell God what shouldn't be done and what should be done. That's what I think the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil is about. That's when we started wandering. That's when we started going our own way, and we still go our own way today. We still argue with God over, the, over what should be. We, uh, how much of our prayer life is telling God what we want and when we want it? And, and how, how to get it? We have all wandered away. We have all turned to our own way. The next phrase, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity. Now, Lord is the word, it's probably all in caps in your Bible. That's a clue to, say, to, to tell you that's the name of God. That's I am. First person, singular, to be verb. I am. The God that is, always was, and always will be. The I am. So you'll, you'll notice in, in your Bible, it's quite likely all in caps. And that's, be, that's telling you that's the name of God right there. That's I am, Yahweh, or Yehovah. Now the word for punished is also interesting because there's a range of uses and meanings for it. Um, it it's used to, to say to strike and to cause injury or death. It's used to say impact somebody or to have an impact on somebody. Impact as in strike them and have an impact, like change them. It's, all, it's used to, to say to meet or to come to, to render aid, to intercede for help. That's all of those different ranges of uses are in the word punishment. And Jesus did every single one of those. Every single one. He was impacted. He was struck and killed for our sake. He came and had an impact on your life, did he not? He came and, and he comes still today and meets us and intercedes for us. He interceded for us on the cross and he interceded for us this morning. Didn't he? So, so the, the, the word uses is, usage is interesting because it, it has such a range of meaning and Jesus did it all. And then iniquity is another interesting word. Wickedness or depravity. That makes it sound bad, doesn't it? Wickedness or depravity. Debauchery, right, Bill? Debauchery. But the emphasis is on the liability or guilt for it. Jesus paid our price. He took the punishment so that our guilt is gone. Our liability is gone. We have no guilt, no liability for our sin because he took it. We need the cure. We have an illness and we need the cure. And as I said before, us all is the end of this and it, and it forms this literary device between we all and us all that, that each of us, mankind, all of us, it shows us that all of our sin 
is taken care of. All of our depravity, all of our iniquity, all of our debauchery, all of our wickedness, has, he has taken the punishment for all of it. Everything. There is no price left to pay. So we need to understand our need for the cure. We need to face the fact that we have an infection and that there is one cure. And the God who loves us gave us that cure. We just need to accept it. So I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. Have you accepted the cure for what ails you? Have you accepted that you need a Savior? You need the cure. And have you accepted the cure, Jesus Christ? Because you can, in a simple prayer, you can follow along with me in your own words and say, God, I know that I have sin in my life. I recognize that I have an infection. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that Jesus is the cure for my infection. That he came and paid the full price for my sin. And so I ask you to forgive me, not because of anything I could ever do, because I can't heal myself. I ask you to forgive me because of everything Jesus has done. And I ask you to come into my life and give me life. Cure my infection. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Let somebody at your, at your table know as we, we're eating lunch. Maybe this morning, know Christ. But you've been trying to heal yourself. Will you take a moment right now and turn that over? to the only cure. Father, we thank you for who you are and for what you have done for us. We thank you, Father, that you know the problem we have and you provide the solution. We thank you that we have the cure for our infection. In Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. This is Pastor Jim from Porter Mountain Fellowship. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. These are sermons from our 10.30 a.m. service on Sundays. If you're in the neighborhood, stop by. We're on the corner of Porter Mountain Road and Commerce Drive in beautiful Lakeside, Arizona.